Welcome to Hearthside Salons. I'm Heidi Hornbacher of Pagecraft Writing. Each week we bring you conversations with creators and innovators to feed your creative fire. With the ever-increasing accessibility to decent camera gear, more and more of us are making films and hitting the festival circuit, or trying to. How do you get your film to stand out among thousands of submissions? Drea Clark says your voice is what matters. In the film industry, no one wants to vouch first for any new voice. But as a veteran festival programmer, Drea gets to be the first mover to say, yeah, this person's voice is worth hearing. Today, we talk about the intangible, subjective, career-building world of film festivals and why she's driven to help more artists' voices be heard. Drea Clark. Hello and welcome to Hearthside Salons. How are you? Hi, Heidi. It's so good to see you, even through a screen. I know it's been it's been a couple of years since we've seen each other in uh, in the in the person. What is time? What is time? Time holds no meaning anymore. It really, it's a flat circle. I heard one, once once I've been told. Yeah. So I was excited to talk to you, a because I've known you for a while and you're just awesome to hang around with, but hey. also. <laughs> Cause you've done so much stuff. And I feel like if I can at, at all equate us, like we both help other f- creatives in their journeys. Ideally. So like, yeah, ideally. So, yeah. so if that is at all any kind of parallel between us. Um, but uh, just, I always like to start by talking out, talking about how you got your start. Like you grew up in Minnesota, right? Yes. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I'm sure you better. Wipe your lake, go bears. When did you come out to California and like, what was your plan? What, what was your goal? Who did you think you were going to be? World domination. Um, yeah, no. So I'm born and raised in Minnesota. I went to the University of Wisconsin-Madison and did a year in England. And I studied English, communication arts, and then film and TV and art history because uh, I was really good at doing the like scheduling of things which is how I ended up being a producer, but figured out how to work in a third major that way. Um, I moved here. I I kind of knew in school that I would move to either LA or New York and being from the Midwest, I was over the cold. So LA it was, Um, I I didn't really know. Madison had a great film studies department. And then I also did a handful of production classes but clearly it's not like the epicenter of learning film production. So I wasn't really sure which area or avenue I wanted to take. I just knew I wanted to do something with storytelling, visual storytelling, TV, film, something in there. So I moved to LA. I've been out here now 20 years or so. But again, time is meaningless. So it also feels like two. Um, And when I moved out here and, you know, I was like, scrambling for PA gigs and trying to get in anywhere and um, befriended a group of people. And one of them was an intern at Slamdance Film Festival. And I was like, oh, I'll do stuff for free. I'm not doing anything anyway. So I ended up interning at Slamdance and that was kind of my introduction to festivals. I'd never really been, I hadn't attended any in college. I obviously was cognizant of Sundance or whatever, but it wasn't in my world. However, I discovered once I got to Slamdance that I had programmed previously because when I was in university, I 
um, I was one of the people that ran the art house theater in our union. And so okay. I was like booking films. We didn't call it programming, but that's- Well, basically. you accidentally directed a festival without knowing it. Like- I know. That's actually how a lot of people end up in their careers in LA. It's like you accidentally ended up on a certain path and yeah, and there you are. So yeah, so ended up at Slamdance, uh, worked my way up, started as a shorts programmer, then features. I ended up running feature programming for narratives for 13 years and then was the festival director for three. Um, that's been, about when I met you. Yes, that's when we met. I've been at Sundance now for four um, and then I also programmed, I was at LA Film Fest for 10 years and was senior programmer and head of filmmaker relations. And I'm still the producer in residence at Film Independent. And then I've been curating uh, Gina Davis's Bentonville Film Festival for the past five years, I think. Amazing. Something around that. So yeah, so sort of staggered programming all through and it all started because I had free time. That's yeah. the way it works. Yeah. I love that. I I mean, I've slam dance is my home as a, you know, as a behind the scenes person. And I sort of similarly like started out in the con the script contest side, mm-hmm. doing helping and doing all those things. And then um was fortunate enough to end up, I don't know why, but Peter decided I was good at that. And uh um Alina did too. And th- then they invited me and one other judge to found the script clinic. So we actually founded the Slam Dance Script Clinic together and, and designed the whole how that works and like when you need help with the script and what you do and what what we do for you. And um, so I'm, I'm I do. I always will have a soft spot for Slam yeah. because of it's it really does have a very strong commitment to it's sort of yeah. by filmmakers for filmmakers ethos. And yeah. yeah, the amount of people that I've met through there or filmmakers that I programmed and then ended up having at other festivals or collaborating with myself. Like, yeah. Yeah. It's good times. Well, and what you're saying too, is like, there's, it's what we see so much around this town is like, you know, you're just showing up and putting in the work and eventually that's what gets you noticed. That what's, that's what gets you recommended. Like, how did you connect with Gina Davis? Oh, oh, I just texted her. No, I mean, um, hey, Gina, actually, what's up? That's a good point. So, um, one of the filmmakers at LA Film Fest whose work I programmed, Maggie Kiley, who's amazing. Look her up. She's doing great stuff. Um, she's done a lot of like Ryan Murphy TV and oh, cool. her own movies and she's wonderful. But she had had a film at Bentonville in its first year and um, people who, you know, I think it, from the outside, like everything, film festivals maybe seem like an easy enough endeavor um, especially, you know, oh, we've had people who work events or we've had people and fest- festivals are their own beast, both how they're run, how they're attended, everything. And so um, they had a, a good first year in terms of um, intent and then wanted to sort of step up the game in terms of the films that they were reaching out to or connecting with or looking at for consideration. And then also the flow of it. And because I had both programmed a lot. And then most programmers don't have the production background that I also have. Um, So I, for the first couple of years, helped put together what the production flow would look like for Bentonville as well. So, yeah, so I got connected to them through a filmmaker who recommended me. And then Wendy Guerrero, who's the executive director, festival director, 
she's a director of sorts. Um, she, anyway, she's been my, my buddy ever since and my partner in crime there and oversees the whole thing. So you, because you do have a production background, I was just looking at your list of, of fest of features that you've produced. How did you like, I assume, was that going on simultaneously while you were then programming festivals? You were also producing. Right. Well, all of the, I've, I've produced three features that have that are out in the world. Um, producing obviously requires a lot of stuff that's in development or still cooking sure. or various stages, but I have three features that are out. All three of them are filmmakers that I met because I programmed their films at a festival and then really responded to their work and their voice and wanted to collaborate with them further. Obviously cool. festivals are staggered enough that you can do, there's off seasons. It's not like a nine to five year round kind of gig. So I love balancing the two. And there's also a really unique insight in terms of knowing um, what is not coming through festivals or like what festivals might be more hungry for, or or even if it's outside of festivals, having a better understanding of like setting up um, the directors I work with of like, oh, will this be a helpful step in their career as well? Mm. Because a lot of festival work is so much more than just what are the 10 to 12 films we're going to have in narrative competition? You're not just looking for like, oh, these are the 10 to 12 films I liked best. You're There's so much that goes into that that's intangible and subjective and difficult to explain. But a lot of it is also career building and mm. who are f- the filmmakers that I think not like there's something promising with this film. And also, I can't wait to see what they do next. Mm. And I would like to help them along that journey. So um yeah so in in making my own films and gravitating towards the projects that I have it's been a lot of it's been artist driven certainly yeah well I was gonna ask what because it feels almost like you're an insider then because you're the programmer so you know as the producer you know what programmers are looking for right like well except for I've also been like rejected by like I've never had anything play at Sundance so I also know how hard it is yeah and the numbers game and because it truly is subjective and it can be so much like if I submitted a project that people really like, but they also have another very similar project, then it becomes down to like, well, which one of them do we feel like needs more help or has like a different perspective that isn't in any of the other 10 films or whatever it is. So if anything, it's, it's a lot of the insight is me knowing how to coach or handhold my directors when we don't get in places because so much of indie film world is dealing with rejection on so, so many levels and having gone through it and realizing like oh it truly is not personal like me getting rejected from somewhere I feel like I can like water off the duck's back it <laughs> better mm. than a lot of other people because I'm like I've be- I've seen how the sausage is made there's a lot of sausage that doesn't get made. Okay, that metaphor does not work at all, but you see what I'm saying. Like, it's yeah. a really rough numbers game. No, it's really rough. My, I, I, I had a short that I submitted to Slamdance last year thinking I'm, I am part of Slamdance. Like, didn't get in. And I was like, what? <laughs> and it's well, really like... Them, yeah. Most festivals you can't submit if you're on staff in that department. Right, since I was um, in the I was in the other yeah. side. So. so I did have some things play LA when I was there and it was this whole thing of 
at that time I was thankfully like low enough on the totem pole and it was super awkward of me having to like leave meetings and like I was left on the pending list for it was anyway so there's a lot I will say there's so much intent for the festivals I work at and can vouch for anyway of trying to have things be as fair and as broad as they can like mm-hmm. there's there's a certain sense of nepotism that comes across when you see a lot of things because you're like what they had this thing already played there or something part of it is cultivating relationships or want or festivals wanting to help artists grow but part of it is also just who who's on their radar and who's who's submitting what and who's doing what so yeah there's anyway that there's that's a whole other <laughs> well that's interesting though because it's, so it's not it you know it's not just did you like my film or did you not like my film it's how does my film fit into the tapestry of this larger thing that you're trying to get across yeah the vibe of your whole festival oh for sure and I've always said too like slam dance certainly LA is this way but I don't I don't think a slate like a lineup of films is a good one if I like every film in the slate because mm-hmm. it shouldn't just reflect a single person's that's not I mean honestly that's not how festivals work you can have like a guest director or someone curating particular se- sections and sure then you want a personal voice but for a lot of it you know you should want work that challenges some people or yeah. you know or doesn't because that's what an audience is getting as well like being on the the screenplay side and like the the way we look at advancing film, advancing scripts, and then the last big meeting where we have the the ten finalists and we're all in one room. Well, not this year, but you know we'd be all in one room, like arguing for yeah. And it it gets nasty. Like oh, yeah. I I'm going to bat for this script. That guy's going to bat for that script, and we're like fighting over the nit, nitty gritty of why this script is good or that script is bad or this is deserves it over that script. And so I can't even imagine then a whole film you've got even more elements to look at and argue over right right it's a lot and honestly like one of the things I've enjoyed most in terms of running the rooms of deliberations that I've run is that's a skill as well in terms of making sure the team that you (laughs) we're not all screaming at each other (laughs) right but that everyone feels equally valued but while you're also trying to keep in mind like this overall perspective so like for both LA and Slamdance and Bentonville like we're looking at um having within our like competition segment for example you're looking at like I want a wide array of films I would like different genres different demographics both on screen and in the directors are they coming from different parts of the country of the world are we looking at like a coming of age story and like you don't want your list like that's the reason why just saying like oh these are the 10 best films we found like what if the 10 best of course being subjective are like oh huh all we have we have 10 heterosexual romances right what is that bringing to the world is in terms of range or in terms of anything else so it's another reason too if when people go to film festivals and you can going to especially I love the discovery like competition sections like where your unknowns are and your new artists and but those are also the ones they're very much they're learning their own craft and like finding their footing and their voice and so there's definitely flaws but like I would always rather program a flawed film 
that had a more distinctive POV and perspective behind it um, or story to tell than someone who was like, oh, they competently made um, a film that I recognize. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, that that's really great to hear because I think we hear that like, oh, if you if your sound sucks, you're sunk and you'll never get anywhere. You never, you know, and I think there's some of that the 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 perfect being the enemy of the good thing. Right. Where, you know, we shoot ourselves in the foot because it's just not, oh, if I can't do it to this level, it's not worth doing. It's yeah. not good enough. I will and, say sound is always kind yeah, of sound is the thing, but yeah. But I mean, like for me, it's more do you have story flaws or performance flaws or whatever those are the things like especially being a producer I'm hyper aware of what budget limitations there are or you know what people are trying to create with what they have and there, so I can have a certain forgiveness of well okay your funny best friend is not that funny but the rest of it or like your, you know, your lead character's exploration of their sexuality, like whatever it is that's unique and new can outweigh the kind of, okay, I get, that was not your best. Yes. Yeah, you were using your mom's car for both picture cars and we could tell it yes. was the same car. Yes. What was like the, one of the biggest challenges that you faced or like figured out how to overcome as a producer? I think the biggest challenge I'm still figuring out, which is money, funding is the worst finding money is the worst. Keeping money on board is the worst. Like the amount of projects I've had that are like, oh, we finally have all our pieces. And then one of the financiers will fall out last minute. And you're like, oh my God, there's, there's, those pieces are not all going to be in the same place again. I'm not going to have that same cast available. And so now that means if I lose this lead, this financing is going to go, whatever. Yeah. Financing's the worst. So if you're having problems with it, you're probably doing it right. Or you do, or I'm doing it wrong. I'm probably doing it wrong. But I think for me, I love similar to on the festival side of it, of programming and also doing fest production. I love splitting the creative and then overseeing the production side of things. So I like mm -hmm. to start as early as possible. I love developing scripts with the writer or director. I love sort of just making sure things like that I'm bringing to the table are helpful and guiding things in like a good and positive way. And I'm setting up my director for success and the project to be as good as possible. Um, I think that's something you learn too, of like which battles are worth mm. fighting and which ones are worth just, it's not going to happen. And, you know, trying like, it's a high pressure time when, once you make it to set, these stupid long days and you have to make second decisions. And I've, I've enjoyed doing that and honing those instincts. And then there's always the things now, like I can't imagine getting to a point where you look back at a film and don't just think of the things you would change or like, ugh, like I'm really proud of the three films that I made and all of them. I'm like, Oh God what I wouldn't have killed for a day of B-roll or, right. oh, I wish we would have had two days with that character or whatever. Like, or there's an entire thread that I'm like, I wish we would have put in a whole other line, like line of questioning or mystery, whatever it is. So mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah. So figuring that out, letting it go, being a good like coach team manager. I don't know. Yeah, no, I think that's part of it. What do you, so what do you look for? 
in a film like as a producer what do you what makes you go I want to do this well the three projects I made are pretty disparate so I don't think there's a connective thread there necessarily for me the actually the connective thread would be the artist behind it it was more what are you doing and then that sounds interesting and I like you and I like how you see the world and they're also very different like um, Mo Perkins who directed The Last Time You Had Fun it's a very um, we called it it's like a it's a comedic drama which is you know a dramedy but I, I like comedic drama for that better it's very talky and relationshipy and adult and then um, I did a Spanish language film called Lake Los Angeles so it's very like lyrical and dreamy and completely different and is about an 11 year old girl who's illegally immigrated so um very different it's really kind of the teams that are putting them together and then if i think i can be a helpful asset to that team but that totally makes sense right because with they everything we talk about is like when you're pitching when you're when you, you know if you sell if you're selling a show they're not buying just the script, they're buying you oh, as a voice. So mm -hmm. it totally makes sense to me that that's what you'd be drawn to in yeah. the projects. It's the people and the voices. So then on the festival side, what do you, what are, you've already talked about this a bit, but like, what do you look for? Like what makes a film rise to the top? Yeah, it's tricky because also when people talk about festivals, I have, um, it's like, I always wanna do an overall disclaimer it's because people are sending us their hearts. Like when you're submitting, it's not just, it's a pain in the ass of how expensive it is. You're sending something blindly and you're just, it's a leap of faith that someone is going to even look at it because a lot of people I think are always worried that no one's even looking at the submissions, which we are. I've never worked at a festival where like at least two people aren't watching everything. So you're taking that leap of faith. And as a programmer, I'm cognizant of that, of, oh, they've entrusted me. And then I'm also, again, aware of the finances that went into it, the time, the favors. There's a lot of personal stories that we get. So first and foremost, I have to like have that filter on everything. But, but how I approach things is I want every film I see to be good. I think if you start a film hoping you can just like get through it to the next film, it's not good for you. It's not good for the submission. It's not it's just icky energy. Um, yeah. And so then I do feel like I, I know pretty quickly, like it's like any movie you watch, you know, in like five or 10 minutes, if the flavor of it is right for you. Mm -hmm. And I use the word flavor when talking about film programming a lot because it, it signifies how subjective it is and like something that tastes good or intriguing to me can be off-putting to somebody else. What I'm looking for is first and foremost, a cohesive vision, something like from the beginning to end understands what it's doing and what its point is. I don't always need that to be a super deep point. I have absolutely programmed some trivial flippant nonsense and adored it, but I just want it to be consistent to its own point. And mm. then it actually ties back to how I produce or look for people that I'm collaborating with as well is when I'm looking at the talent behind it, do I see a singular voice and perspective coming through? Like I don't expect every film and a lot of the stuff I do look at is by first or second time filmmakers. So people still finding their way in their voice. I don't expect them to like already have like a, 
a Wes Anderson or a David Fincher or like a really distinctive visual style. But the more I sense of their personal style or this directorial authorial voice, the better. Because on the festival side of it, that helps us sell and then promote them as artists for what they go do next. It helps them on the industry side, on the press side. It, and festivals, you're not doing the same. Like I'm not looking for a director that can like step into an existing project and make it look like, no, I'm looking for people who are not currently being heard. And that like, there's, there's a whole world and marketplace and creative marketplace that like needs that voice. Like if that makes any kind of yeah, sense. It does. Yeah. <laughs> so here's like a sort of nuts and bolts question. Do the do does a cover letter make a difference? Well, they can make a difference sort of later on. It's different now that it's all digital. I started back when it was VHS, not to brag. I'm a thousand years old. So like in those days, programmers never saw any of the cover letters. Now that everything's on like um, without a box or whatever, like film freeway. Film freeway. I was like one of them closed. That I one went, yeah, closed without a box is gone. <laughs> Yeah. How I do it and how it generally filters through, especially the volume of films we're watching. I'll watch a film. Sometimes I'll look through and glean a little about the director. Is it a first timer or whatever? But mostly your first watch is just this film and what stands out to me. And then what you do, if it's something that you like and you're passing along and you become the champion of, because it does become very personal. Mm. And the films that rise to the top are films that have champions on the programming team. And that's when I do think it's helpful to be armed with what can I figure out from their cover letter? What can I figure out from their background? Are they, do they seem uh, enthusiastic? Are they polished? Do they have a unique background? Are they from a place that I've never seen a film from someone from that place? Are they self-taught? Like mm. there's just all sorts of things that I do think are nice. There, there are things that might come into like once you get to the like argumentative locked in and like I said too when you get to maybe the apples versus apples of like oh we have two like-minded projects yeah that's when you might turn to something like your cover okay. letter to say like oh well I don't know if you guys noticed but this person made this by x or do you know what I mean something that might sure set it aside or make it different than the other one in some unique way interesting just put the good stuff and one of the hardest things with any submission or any industry thing is it can be incredibly awkward for non-narcissistic people to just be pitching themselves. Yeah. So even in, you know, it's people tend to do disclaimers or like, ah, thank you so much. Like just sell yourself, make it a commercial, just like a paragraph of positive, like this, this, and this are why I think that these are your hooks or what. Okay. Good. Yeah. Like, yeah. like in the same way you'd pitch a script. Cause on the script side, we don't like, we don't look at any, any other, like, if I can't read your script and the story stands on its own, like I don't need to be reading. Like some people put like a log line or a photo on the, the cut, the title page of the oh, script. Yeah. I'm like, nope, 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 nope. And yeah. I should, you know, so it's like, so I don't look at that stuff. So yeah. I didn't know if it was the same. I, like I said, I don't lead with it. It's more, that's good though. Once something's moved along, I might go to it for just more info. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. Is there anything you can say that like, what should filmmakers never do when submitting to a festival? Um, I don't know. It's so hard. Cause I'm, I'd never want to be arrogant enough to dictate someone else's like artistry and how they're doing things. Although there's certainly 
there's tropes that come up every year. Like for instance, this year, the amount of films I've watched, literally hundreds, that started with like a scene and then it went like 48 hours earlier. And so there's things, but then again, I could see a film tomorrow that does the same thing and I won't blink at it because it's great, whatever. Yeah. So in terms of just the content side of things, on the submission side of things, I think it's, you know, when, especially at LA when I was in the office and more privy to like the random emails that would come through that then we talk about, People, it gets like it immediately gets around the office if like someone's belligerent to um, the like the programming coordinators or anyone yeah. handling submissions, and if they're rude or if they're like insistent that no one's watched their stuff. Like, no. and I've I've had that on the producer side of things too, where I'm like, ah, the Vimeo numbers haven't moved at all, but I know for a fact that the film has been seen. Or like, we would have someone call mm. and yell at our coordinator at LA be like no one's watched it and then I would go through and read my own footage and be like I watched it I know yeah. it was watched because I watched it I'm sorry the numbers weren't right so if you're taking that out that doesn't help you and then people like I associate if I see you submit something yeah. years, I'll be like I know that person they like made our intern cry <laughs> so, yeah um so yeah just be considerate because we're trying to be considerate of you and then there's also, I think there's a lot of, for for a lot of festivals, where you've played before, like if it's a festival that only has premieres, um, keep them updated. If you've premiered elsewhere and you're out of the running, let them know if, if you're mm-hmm. able to. But on the opposite side of that, if it's a premiere that, uh, if it's a festival that doesn't have premiere status requirements and you like get into a number of regional festivals, you don't need to tell them every single time you get into one. Like it's because it's just your festival status. It's not the number. It's not whatever. Anyway, so I say that of like, um, uh, I've received sort of like argumentative things in the past. Like, well, I just got into these two others. So I should, re- you'd be lucky to have me. Mm. Uh, yeah, I am looking at thousands of submissions right now. Like, I'm sure, we'd be lucky to have many of them, but anyway so well I mean I think all of that comes down to just you know be kind be a decent person don't be a jerk well that's like the number one Hollywood rule that I learned was you should be kind just to be a nice person and you'll lead a happier life but also you never know where the person you're being rude to will be next and how that can like work for or against you so be kind even if it's for selfish reasons like yeah um well I want to start getting into people's questions sure so the first one is if money was no object what are the key things to do and strategies to maximize your chances of getting into festivals okay chances yeah I don't know if money is going to change that at all because the reality is um your chances at a festival are not really changed for most most discovery festivals for sure. Smaller festivals, it might be different if like someone on the board of directors wants to, but those are probably not the ones you're worried about. Mm. For discovery and marketplace festivals, which is to say like um, Sundance, Tribeca, South by Southwest, Cannes, Toronto, like you're looking at 
a lot of integrity into that process. And that integrity is tied to people's personal tastes. So the best thing that you can do to help your project is if you're able to contact an actual programmer and put it on their radar, um, pitch them nicely, respectfully, and with an easy out, like that, that's as helpful or that, and then maybe having an alumni filmmaker or like a very esteemed industry person, a producer, a rapper, something, give the same programming team a heads up of, I saw this myself. I think you should keep an eye on it. I vouch for their talent. I think this is going somewhere. Those are the kinds of things that will like make sure that your project gets in front of the most eyes or the highest eyes or whatever mm. on a team. Like I said, your project will be seen, but sometimes, you know, it can be if, yeah. if the, if the festival director is like, oh, well, this person that I just, oh, Miranda July just gave them a recommendation. I'll look at it myself. Right. Like, that can help you. But on the other side of it, I'm, I would be wary of um, festival reps or producers reps or sales reps or anyone who's charging you to be part of your submission process largely what that just breaks down to is they're just going to email me or someone like me and be like I have this great film and I'll be like great I'll put it on my long list of recommendations like it's the same sort of thing but you're out all this money and they're just like whispering to you about how much they're helping you like I was going to ask you about that because I had I I got connected with one of these festival whisperers earlier uh, before COVID and um she was trying to convince us to take, to go with her. And I was just like, I don't see why. I don't see what, aside from, I do see that she would know, hey, this festival probably isn't even going to bother looking at, you know, helping me pick which festivals to enter. But aside from that, I was like, that's just a matter of research. Right. But some people people are more comfortable with that research or even knowing to do it. And some people aren't. And I also certainly don't want to begrudge or dissuade people there there are festival consultants who do great work and like yeah to use the word champion who really want to champion and help projects and might have great ideas of like a festival strategy of giving you reasonable expectations about like where to go and then can also guide you into looking for distribution and sales reps and things like that so there's definitely I don't like not it's not like a wide brush everyone doing festival consultation it's more if you feel like there's a mercenary bend to it of if you give us all this money we're gonna get you in front of the best execs and shakers and like the 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 films that are programmed by festivals are programmed by festivals so even ones that seem like they're like oh this was again with the nepotism or this was a connection those might have come through because someone wrecked it or like they had an alumni involved with it. So it was on their radar or whatever. Like most, I have a tracking list that I run year round that I'm looking at everything from news releases of like projects that have just been announced to I'll go through um, like Indiegogo and see who's fundraising. Oh, and wow. like I, so like most programmers who do that have tracking lists. So if anything, like I said, getting something on tracking and, having it like be in their heads and that's all well and good. But in terms of money, I don't think it's cost effective to put like your eggs in the basket of someone who's like sounding like they can promote you to a programming team. 
Well, and can you talk a little bit about the difference between you said a discovery festival, a market festival, and then like regional as yeah. the differences well, are? Discovery and market are often the same. So a market festival, like Sundance obviously is the premier market festival in the US. And um, by that, that they have a very large marketplace. It's the idea of like, every day you'll hear about the sales that happen. Yeah, bidding like, war. Yeah, there's a bidding or three buyers left the screening early so they could start, you know, this does not happen as much as it used to. But, the, you know, that's a festival where you go into it. A lot of the films at um, Sundance or other market fests already have um, distribution deals mm. lined up. Some of those are already in place before they're programmed. Some of them are people are programmed and then um, distributors the jump on it. But most yeah. people want to sell at the, fe- well, that's a whole, other, it's a whole other thing. But market just means like, it's a place where buyers will be. Yeah. And that, that the credibility of the films they're programming is with the intent of a buyer's market. There's okay. other festivals that are known for like, oh, really beautiful dreamy work but it's not necessarily like commercially available or accessible like so it, it might be like oh well respected but it's not like we have distribution going there because their okay. stuff is not you know connecting in that kind of way um and discovery generally what discovery is less discovery festival and more discovery sections within festivals so that would be like at Sundance there's a premieres section which are um, mid actual well low budget for studios but that will have sort of a studio or distributor attached but then there's also a competition section and then there's also like the next section and next you have to be under a million dollars and it has to mm. be your first or second film so the discovery sections um, at major festivals are typically also um, a premiere and so okay. Again, once you once you move, you have your, like your market discovery festival. I'm looking at my own hands, like I can't see them here. Um, you have your <laughs> your market and discovery festivals, and those are the ones that everyone has on their list, and they want to premiere, and it sounds the fanciest yeah. because they do. They have buyers and they have things there, and then you have your um, films that are less marketplace, but that still have a lot of like credibility behind them, like San Francisco or. Cleveland or Dallas like the, just have like always have good f- programming and then there's the kind of regional or niche because I mean every town has a festival practically yeah like, every person has a podcast and every town has a festival it's the same sort of thing yeah so <laughs> it's also good to like really build out especially right now the majority of independent films particularly low budget ones are not going to get a theatrical release and so your festival is one of the ways that you're doing that that you're moving physically across the country when we Mm. can physically move across the country and so looking at and building a good regional path for yourself um, to get into different markets to get in front of different eyes to build mailing lists to build audience support like that's that's one of the keys of of looking into those festivals but it also another just small thing everybody wants into the major festivals for their premiere and the major festivals only have premieres so it's they're not going to play again it 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 feathers down so these are not sticking generalizations but it's also not make or break like people pin so much on festivals and I think that they're a crucial part of the whole ecosystem but it's not 
life ending for your film. So, right. Okay. Now, the next question I had for you is once you've gotten into a festival, what are the necessary important things a producer needs to do prior to and during a festival? Okay. Um, well, before you even get to the festival, one thing that people don't do a lot, but like as you're rapping, while your edit is happening and your directors are seeing that, you should be putting together your materials. Have your stills ready to go and approved by talent if you need them. Have your paperwork ready. Have your whatever. If your music isn't cleared yet, like have those things ready to go so that when a film festival does invite you, everyone, their first question is they make you sign something that says you are authorized and can, you know, whatever. So you need all those ducks in a row. And if you already have like, cool, here's our clean synopsis. Here's the amount of people that don't have approved images right away is crazy. Um, So have those things ready to go. The things that I would recommend, I would not post a trailer of your film um, ahead of time. Like don't do that. I just wouldn't post a trailer of your film before it premieres. Um, So that's more of a what not to do. Yeah. If you want to have one ready and if you have access to be able to do that, all the better. But I wouldn't post one because um, some sales agents will recommend not posting it at all because when it sells, the distributor will want to have their mark on it. And it screws up if people google and look to it and there's an existing trailer and it's different or just different tone Uh. than what they envision so yeah so i think that's good some festivals will ask for video anyway so i would recommend finding if there's a cut down of a scene that you could submit for that and have that ready to go um have your like artwork figured out have i just a good clean game plan that includes like um, when when things are due, when submissions are due, how much they cost, like running through. Mm-hmm. And then I would add to that the festival sort of submission plan, especially again with the regional ones, look at, find out from every key member of your cast and crew, like your, your higher ups, find out where they're from and where mm-hmm. they went to school and put those on your list. And then when you reach out to those and you're like, hi, Tulsa, the cinematographer for my film is from there. And I'm sure their friends and family would love to come yeah. to a screening. Like it makes a big difference in places that don't have a lot of film coming through. And then it also tells them, oh, there's some audience here for that. Yeah. Like sort of win-win. Um, so I'd build that into your kind of festival strategy. Oh, and then during the other thing I would look at, and this is more for the directors a lot of people, because, you know, your producers are going to be concentrating on the sales part of it. And basically, like, once you get invited to a festival, that's a good time to go out and look for a sales agent. Then you've already been vetted by a festival. So then you have that for the agent. And then the agent, you know, like the whole thing is about just levels of vetting. Like, mm-hmm. people just want someone to vouch for something at every stage. Directors, I do like to remind them that when you're going to a festival, it's such a blinkered environment. All you're thinking and talking about is that project that's there, but you should already have your next project figured out, even if it's not the one you're going to do next. And 
have that in mind and also use the same opportunity leading up to your premiere to be looking for representation if that's a path you want to take because i think that you know so a lot of things have to do with momentum and the idea if you're meeting someone it seems like oh and they already have this other thing going on then like maybe there's a programmer that wants to produce it like maybe there you know there's people that you're meeting and that can be good collaborators and so i think you can get very honed in on just that film but thinking future is also helpful. Okay. Eva asks, how many pandemic related films have you seen already coming in this year? Get out of my head, Eva. <laughs> you guys, I'm going to tell you now, if you were planning to shoot something that looks like you're shot over Zoom, you don't need to because someone else already did. And by someone else, I mean about 8,000 of them. There were a lot and they were heartbreaking because they were, most of them start with title cards of this was made during isolation. I was the only crew member. Um, some of them do have like Zoom style performances or actually recorded over Zoom. Um, that said, I'm sure like everything this year and then definitely next year, I'm excited to see once this is like filtered through some and we're not so in the thick of it. It will be interesting to see how it manifests story-wise. We've definitely had some projects that like I liked and I can't say too much more about that, but that, that, that did incorporate it. Um, and a lot more that like they went with their first gut reaction and always wait for your like second, like let it filter through to another gut. I don't know, but a lot. No, that's interesting. Cause it's talking about next year because um, one of the very first episodes of Hearthside Salons we did, we were talking with um, historians and art and I have a historian friend and an archeologist friend about um, the, like Boccaccio and like how stories that came out of that and stories that came out of what happened after the 1918 plague. We had the golden age of literature and stuff. So like looking at what might come out of all this. Yeah, so, no, that's the knows? silver lining, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, Malik asks, what's the best way to narrow down what festivals are good for you if you don't want to spend a million dollars on festival submissions? Okay, I would, there's sort of, a couple, two routes that I always recommend. One, if you're able to identify a film that's similar to the one that you've made, um, both in length, like if it's a short or a feature, and then documentary or narrative. Um, and then most importantly, like it doesn't have to be the same exact subject matter because again, you should hopefully be making brand new things. But if it's the same tonally, like, oh, these are both um, stories of someone who overcame like a uh, religious background or whatever it is, but that, that has the same flavor to it. I'll use the word flavor again. And then let them do the legwork and like find films like that from the last couple of years and track every festival they went to, because that will tell you if the people who program that festival who are often the same year to year, like that kind of flavor and respond to it. Um, obviously it's another, that's why it's another reason that not to have like the very same because they'll be like oh we just showed a skateboarding graffiti artist thing last year like you want it more sort of tonal and flavor than like the same story okay but yeah so I think that route of like finding a film or two as like your litmus and and looking at that and then the other one of finding festivals that you've either been to or heard about and making sure you do the research. Like research is free. Looking up at the last couple of years of like a festival's lineup 
and read the, reading the synopsis, look at a couple pictures, watch some trailers and be like, no, no. Yeah. They're not, they're not going to like my funny, yeah. like coming of age journey or whatever. This is a very serious festival. Like take the research is free. So yeah. I found that very helpful on film freeway, just reading the, um, yeah. re- how they write about themselves as a festival can tell you so much. Mm-hmm. And then how uh, people that are, you know, putting their testimonials or their um, their reviews up tells you a lot about, you know, if I see if I see all, you know, eighteen year old guys do, reviewing this, I'm like, they're not going to be interested in a film from me. <laughs> that festival doesn't want me, so yes. I'm going to just save my money. Yeah, figure out who you work for. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That that t- that was a little bit of a painful lesson for me earlier in the year, just figuring it's what. Probably the same as online dating. Like, yeah, it's like, why don't they like my film? And then I started looking, I'm like, oh yeah, that's, oh, yeah. that's not, that's not gonna be a thing. Yeah. So that's helpful. Also, are screenplay competitions worth considering or just focus on the film after it's made? My answer to the beginning of that would be competitions are worth it if they, if they give you good feedback that helps you better the script. That's yeah. always a good thing. Um, or, you know, or if they get the interest of somebody like like a programmer who's like, ah, this script is amazing. I want to see. That's happened to me actually um, a couple times. I've ended up champ. I haven't gone as far as producing it, but I have connected them. Like I've read a script in competition and just be like, this script is amazing, and you know, reached out to the writer and you know, connected them with a producer I knew that you know, just like I literally two weeks ago, I connected a B level talent name actor with um with a producer that on a script that I was just like this person should be with this person and so, oh I love those yeah yeah That's so it's like it. but what so what would what you was say the second part of that question again um are the screenplay competitions worth it or just to focus on the film after it's made which I think by which I think he means put you know just focus on do, putting festivals in putting gotcha, the finished gotcha. film in festivals versus gotcha. putting the script in yeah festivals. no I totally agree with you Heidi I think you know, you doing your research on screenwriting competitions, so many of them are offering different things. And I think what's most valuable to, well, cash money is very valuable. And so if it's a festival that looks like decent odds or has like, you can tell if it's this thing of like, oh, you can win $5,000 and then you're, you can read, they generally say in their announcement how many submissions they had the previous year mm-hmm. or something you're like, cool, $5,000, but like a one in 20,000 chance is stupid if that's all you're getting. Right. But if it's something like, I do think it's always helpful for screenwriters to be getting feedback on their script from completely new entities, especially if they're knowledgeable and experienced. And again, a lot of your work as an artist is filtering through if (laughs) what you do or don't want to take away from something. But yeah, I think that that can be just so helpful. And if like the cost of submission is, you know, 25, if you're paying $25 for professional feedback, that's, that's pretty good. I, I just, as a shameless plug, uh, that kind of feedback and coaching is one of the things we do here at PageCraft. And uh, one of my clients just won the nickel. So oh, nice. we're doing something right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, that's great. Congrats. Yeah. Thank you. We're really proud of that one. Uh, we were about to do a staged reading for her of the script and um, uh, it's it's in talks already with people, so we can't be uh, showcasing Ooh. it. And I'm like, oh, tough problem for you. Uh, I'm gonna give you that. That's a, that's a thumbs up for you. So please. I will just off of that for anyone who's listening to this, who is a writer or working with the writer. Speaking of what's free, 
readings are so much more helpful than you could ever imagine. Like, as anyone knows, it's like pulling teeth to get someone to read your script. But even if they're not like actors, if you assemble 10 people to do a read through and then they all give you notes afterwards, you're going to get so much more out of hearing people say your dialogue and walk through those things and then give their immediate notes than you are for cold reads. Like it's just, it's language is so fluid. It's so different once it's going, especially once you've had a bunch of drafts and it's all in your head, how people are related or whatever. So again, free things. I can't recommend that enough. Yeah. We actually do. We have a writer's lunch free here on zoom every Wednesday. And it's an opportunity for writers to workshop like five or six or 10, depending on how many people we have oh, that's great. pages. And, and like, that's my one rule is you are not allowed to read your own script. You, you have to assign parts to the, whoever else is there and just list your job is to just listen. And then, you know, everyone gives feedback and we of course do that in a lot of our classes as yeah, well, So helpful, but it's so helpful. And that's um, just to my, my other tag on to that question about screenplay competitions. I always think that, that it's, more than the money almost it's worth it looking at who they say they get your script in front of like if they're going to connect you with people that can yeah. that are decision makers or you know because half the time it's like they're, they're oh you get to you get to be in front of all these production companies you know it's some lowly intern at that production company that's reading your script it's not right. it's also there's some things especially if it's niche like i remember when slam dance had a horror competition we published our like top 15 finalists or something And a few of them let me know, like, they immediately were contacted by a handful of managers. So there can be things like that, too. It's like, how how will that that competition or that festival forward your career, I think, is always an important thing to look at. Eva says, uh, what genre in short films are, one, the most saturated, and two, the most difficult to deliver on, in your opinion, and three, the most needed to be made? What's too much? What's missing? Yeah. Honestly, I... I haven't made a lot of shorts. I've watched literally thousands of them, but I think one of the, I find them more intimidating than features for the reason that a good short, I think structurally is so much more difficult. You know, a feature, you can, you can definitely subvert the form, but features have a very stringent yes. uh, format yes. and structure that most things adhere to. And it helps you build it and know that you're building it right shorts it's much more different this isn't genre specific it works for everyone but shorts it's much harder to determine and make sure that you are putting up a beginning middle and an end that you know there's a lot of shorts that I see and my immediate thought was this sounds so so flippant but I mean this like on an artistic philosophical level of what did I get from that like Mm. what what was that? Like, some things will just feel like they're this, the first scene of a longer movie. Mm-hmm. Um, but the things that are harder are just if I'm, if, if, if my question revolves around like, what, what's my take? What was the point of that? Yeah. And often, you know, the point of a feature is because you have that arc. It feels like yes. there was a point because you watched like a hero's journey or a love story or, you know, someone letting something go, whatever it is. And if you're short, it's harder. It's a harder task yeah. to, to pull off something that feels completest. So I would look at, make sure your structure is there and you, it feels complete and not like yeah. part of something else. But then I'd also say like shorts are a way that things, you know, festivals, Sundance, I know, like we love weirdness and something so unique and something super personal and like from such a specific 
point of view that I haven't seen before, or do you know what I mean? Like something that just stands out. There's a lot, it's shorts are an area where just the volume of them, like there's literally like 9,000 shorts submitted and, you know, under a hundred programs. So the volume of them, of those 9,000, most of them are people who are just trying to like competently tell a story and for a festival they're like oh no we got eight thousand competent stories and we only now we're just picking from the like standout things that are like what was that or oh this was this brought me to tears in minutes like oh this was a girl's journey like i've never seen do you know what i mean like there's yeah no because that's like the ones that i've seen that that work that are the least successful are you know where they they present a premise and then the film ends and it's like, you haven't, right. there's no hook. There's no, you haven't made me feel anything. You've just presented a premise and you thought you told a story. Yeah. Yeah. I think there's a, there's a weight on shorts for doing immediate world building. Yeah. There, it's tough. Yeah. But I would also, again, speaking of research, like look at what festivals that you admire have played in the yeah. past and know that like, again, there's so many films we are scoring systems on like a five point scale. And there's so many films that end in like the three and a half range because they're beautifully made, nicely acted, have a nice sensibility to them, but there's nothing like unique or mm. what? Yeah, we do. We love weirdness. What do you do when we you were- want to make a comedy and a commercial, oh, a commercial style comedy? Um. I love comedies. Comedies do get a a rough shake at festivals. Like I find that I'm regularly having to make arguments for like, why is it unfair? And you're right. The the ones that do do better are the weird, like your Napoleon Dynamites where it's like invented its own language and it's all nonsense people. The good part of it is if what you want to be doing is mainstream, like more broad accessible comedy, then festivals may not be like the most direct gateway for you anyway, like of where you're trying to get to. I programmed a film um, in 2018 called The Other Todd at LA Film Fest. That's just a ridiculous comedy. And it was this whole thing of trusting in that. So there, there's certainly programmers who are looking out for it, but it's also that comedy is even more, it's already a subjective job and comedy is even more subjective. Like, yeah, it's, it's hard to make everyone in the room laugh yeah. and you kind of need to make pretty much everyone in the room do something. So yeah, I think it's fair enough of like leaning into what you actually want to be doing as an artist. If what you want is more commercial comedy, then I don't think you should be skewing what you're doing to fit a festival world. I think you should be skewing to make like the best kind of comedy in the exact flavor that you want to be making it and if that ends you on a festival path great and if not there's certainly plenty of you know representational and industry avenues outside of festivals for people who want to make more mainstream things great um let's i've got one from anna julia here saying what when would you advise producers to start reaching out and building relationships with programmers she's currently in pre-production currently casting her feature, is it too soon to reach out and start creating a buzz? Yes. Yes, because everything, ooh, that actually brings me something that I'm glad you asked. 
Um, do not put your film on IMDb until you very much have to, because festivals, yeah, almost all of them have a um, a deadline or a requirement of like when your film can be made. Mm-hmm. And so if I look right now, if I looked and I saw a film that had a 2018 um, IMDb page, I would be like, it's too old. Like, wow. Because what that tells me is that it's been circulating and passed on for how long, but it also just might not be eligible for places if it was right. made that many years ago, that many years ago in 2018. But that's true. So, but people often want to get their IMDb page right away because it has a mark of credibility to mm, it mm-hmm. on the festival side, like hold off as long as possible. It's also something of depending the budget range that you're shooting. We wanted to shoot under the radar. I made like under a half million dollars and we were non-union other than SAG. And so I'm like, I certainly don't want to be advertising this. So we did our announcement, like announcing our cast after we shot, like, we just attached this and this to lead and like we'd finished shooting by then. You always want to look as fresh and young as possible, like everything else in Hollywood. I so, was going to say. Yeah, that ties to me. And then in, in terms of like reaching out to programmers, I wouldn't until you had your project. Like I like in the can, edit is underway. You're liking how things are looking. You've researched where you want to go. You've like presumably marked your production and post-production schedule around when you want to start submitting to things and that's a good time um if there's other things that you if like it's someone that you meet through someone and you just want to like introduce yourself as a producer or have someone else connect you and then when you follow up later you can be like oh hi we met last year through Heidi um I just want to let you know I have a new because I'm like always happy if people give me a heads up I may not ever it may not be my thing it may not go but like I don't hate that it's, I, it's when people like have weird expectations or questions. So I'd wait till you have something in the can to do a specific. And I, I will just put in for, if it's helpful, uh, my friend Clarissa Jacobson just wrote a great book, came out last year called, I made a, you, you just made a short film. Now what the bleep do you do with it? And it, and it's all, it's her festival strategy for, cause she had a very successful festival run with the short that she made. And so she basically, and it's a lot of what, you're talking about Dre. I was like, oh, make good. the spreadsheet, do the research, come up with this, come up with, have this ready. And it's like, and so that's really useful. Um, yeah, I thought Malik also answers. What about short film length? Um, we, cause we all, we do hear so many different versions of like, what's the cutoff? Is it 15 minutes max or is it okay to be a few minutes over 15 minutes or. Yeah, it's okay. Again, with my disclaimer of let your art like dictate its own stuff. I would never want to tell someone how to make something, but on the programming side of it, like typically most, most festivals that have shorts are primarily showing them in blocks. Yeah. And each of those blocks end up having like a running time of 90 minutes. And so just giving you this, so you have, cause again, I can't give a short answer, um, some background to it. Like if you're looking at those blocks, you're only going to have one film in each that's really long, right? That's in your like 30, 35 minute range. That's kind of your anchor. And then everything from there will be like of varying lengths. You might have a 20 minute, a 12 minute, a little two minute, little a moose bouche between them or whatever. So I think, you know, 15 to 18 minutes, I don't see a huge difference. The only real other cutoff is if, if festivals show shorts before features, we typically only look at ones that are 10 minutes and below for that. Mm-hmm. So that might be some, but then again, those are just like 
paired because they happen to be a good fit together. Most fests try to not wedge those in unless it's coming like naturally. Um, and a lot don't do them at all. But I would say it's so again, I wouldn't be like, oh, it's 15 minutes. I got to end it right now. But make sure you're telling like the story that needs to be told in the amount of time it does. Most festivals, um, their division of feature and short is either 40 minutes or 50 minutes even. Anything in the 40 to 60 minute range is hard to program because you're cutting off like what you can pair it with to make it its own block. So, and you also want, like you could have two great 40 minute, 45 minute shorts, but if they don't fit each other, they're not good flavors together. You don't want to show them together. And a lot of it is your, you know, how are you making it a good experience for the audience and whatever. Mm -hmm. 70 minute doc is totally okay. I've certainly programmed things around the 70 minute mark. Less than that is hard because again, it's, it starts to feel less like a feature and more like um, a doc made for television or do you mm. know, like the, the length of it can change what's coming across in the, the content as well. Malik says, I know this on festivals, but another thing we hear so much about is representation. For writers, what's the best route to make those contacts? I keep writing, but maybe it's time to put a hold on new content, find representatives. Yeah, I think it's dependent on what track, what track you want to follow. And like, if you are primarily collaborating with people that you know, representation is not as crucial. If you are someone who is looking to be like, paid per job like a writer for hire and you know brought into different things then representation might be more of a fit that said representation like everything it's also cyclical like it's very difficult to get it unless you've had some measure of success or some element of someone reputable vouching for you so that's generally the avenue in like if you know someone else who's represented by someone and they really like your work and think it's strong and ready then they could maybe vouch for you and like do introductions, but or that's that goes back to the, the when when screenplay competitions are of value. If if they get you in in front oh, yeah. of people who who might want to represent you, then that's useful. Yeah, like I said, like so much of it, the cyclical nature. It is all about the idea of vetting everything being made, not even independently, but really just being made in in this industry is a lot of people who really wants someone else to vouch first. Nobody wants yeah. to be the first mover, which is why I love programming. You get to be the first mover. Yeah. I say, I'm watching this thing blind. No one else has seen it. I can't read any reviews. My gut reaction is that it's good, but not a lot of people like to be that first call and representation is part of that. So yeah. any anything you can do a mass, like having your work vetted, um, be it like, oh, I made the short list and therefore I can point to, um, oh, I've, I wrote um, films that played at this and this festival and then I made it to this short list and then whatever, like any kind of vouching you can get. Those are the things that you're amassing in addition to your work um, more than just like a list of, of potential managers or whatever. Mm -hmm. Andrea, this has been so great. I feel like that you've just, it's been like a deep dive into so much great information. And I really appreciate you sharing everything with us. You're so welcome. Thanks for listening. Thanks for the yeah. good questions. Next time on Hardside Salons, Hollywood didn't start out as a boys club, nor did it start in Hollywood. 
Alice Guy Blachet was the industry's first woman director and co-owner of a film studio in Fort Lee, New Jersey in 1910. Writer-director Christina Cutler has been celebrating Alice and working to bring her forgotten story to the world for years. We'll talk about Alice's groundbreaking life and career before there were barriers to inclusion, including directing the first film with an all-African-American cast. Special thanks to our graphic and sonic designer, Joel Harris. Our theme music is by Lachey Swing. For more on our script coaching, online concept to pages screenwriting courses, and writing retreats in Italy, again someday, or to be part of our live recording audience, visit us at pagecraftwriting.com, at pagecraftwriting on Instagram, and at pagecraftwrite on Twitter. I'm Heidi from Pagecraft. Thanks for listening and stay well.